0: I will but the
1: Our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question if you answer me. I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask them, why didn't you believe him? And if we say of human origin, well, we're afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is part two of a multi-part series on how to love one another. You know, we've all long recognized that Jesus told us to love one another, but it's apparent in our world that we need ideas about what this means and how to truly love others. For our English vocabulary and our American culture distorts our ideas of love for others from what Jesus originally meant. So this series of talks, these sermons, is aimed at giving us detailed ideas on how to love others, using our church membership vows as a series of guideposts. Last week, we discussed the use of prayer as a way to love one another. In our vows, you know, we promise to pray for one another. We should take the church directory and pray for each person in the directory, either daily or a person a day or a person or two a week or whatever works for us. We might choose to send a card or an email or a text or a phone call and let people know when we pray for them. But we're not going to limit this to our church directory. No, we're going to make a list of a dozen people who, as far as we can tell, are not followers of Jesus Christ. And so we begin to pray regularly for these dozen people, learning about them, asking for God to walk into their lives and send someone to to speak to them about the love of Christ. It may be ourselves who is sent to one of the people on our list. And we make a list of our enemies since Jesus told us to pray for our enemies as well as our friends. And so we begin to develop love, an unselfish, agape love, for each person we have begun praying for. And it helps us, too. This is one way we learn to love other people as Jesus commands, through our prayers for them. Melinda Bailey this morning was telling us out at Vaught Chapel how this week she had an MRI, and those of you that have had MRIs know how constricting that can be when you look out there and see an inch and a half away, all that enclosure. And it always makes her nervous. But this time, she she laid down, she closed her eyes, they rolled her back in, she didn't open her eyes, But what she did do was she just mentally went through the church at Vaught Chapel and began to pray for each person. And when she got through, about that time they finished up. It got her through that very difficult procedure. You might want to consider that, just how praying for other people can help you. You know, Greek... Greek uses four different words to describe the different types of love, where English simply says love. We don't expect anything in return, for that's the essence of agape love, the unselfish love that's commanded us as Christians. It's not an exchange sort of love like eros love, the physical love of a man and woman, or philia, the brotherly love of two brothers or two sisters. And it's not a transaction like occurs during storge, the affection between child and grandparent or parent and city, person in city, or even a graduate and her high school or college. Agape love, that's what we're talking about. The type of love that Jesus asks of us. Unselfish love, freely given without thought or hope of anything in return. And this is the love of God for us. And so today, I plan to speak of loving one another through the second of our membership vows. Learning to love each other through our presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, which even more than prayer, is the first step to making friends. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. The writer of the song conveys our amazement and our puzzlement when we encounter Jesus for the first time. And then again, how we expect to feel when we see Jesus in the flesh for the first time. Jesus, you see, has presence. It's clear to us that He is Lord. He's God on the earth. He's divine and He's no ordinary man. There's something about Him which is different from every other person we've encountered in our short lives on this planet. For here is someone who... Who we feel actually understands us. A person who knows how we feel, a person who sees us and isn't looking past us. Instead, he listens to us and he takes on his shoulders our burdens and by doing so he lightens our burdens. And you know, that's the way it should be when people stand in Our presence. If we're truly following Jesus Christ, then that means that we're working hard with Jesus' help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to develop those same aspects of character in us that impress and amaze us so much with Jesus. The first son in our story today did his father's will by being present in the vineyard. That was all it really took was to be present. We must be present in the vineyard of the world, doing God's work if we're to follow God's will. In our reading from Philippians, in the second verse, it said, Paul said, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather... In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In in relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. We are to be like Christ. So when people stand in our presence, does it work out? When someone walks into your presence, or you walk into their presence, do they quickly see someone who actually understands them? Just like Christ. A person who shows them that we know how they feel. Like Christ. Do we actually see the other person or are we constantly looking past them? Do we hear them? Or are we spending all of our mental energy preparing to tell them? Are we genuinely listening to them pour out their burdens? Are we listening so intently and deeply that their burdens begin to fall on our shoulders too? Or do we listen to their words like a drain pipe passes on water, briefly hearing the words but not actually listening? You know, I've been in many hospital rooms and waiting rooms where I've walked into a situation where someone's in terrible health Perhaps there was an accident, maybe the cancer has returned. Maybe the disease is getting worse. When I walk in, I usually do things pretty simply. I introduce myself as there's people who don't know me. I'll say, hi, I'm Pastor Brian from Cedar Grove or from Vaught Chapel, whichever church they are more likely to identify with. Or I might just identify myself as, I'm Pastor Brian, I'm your grandmother's pastor. And I ask simply, how are things going? It usually doesn't take much more than that. How are things going? You know something amazing? In almost all of these circumstances, the people begin to talk, and they tell me about the accident and the illness and what the doctors have told them and what the doctors haven't told them. And some people, you know, they're matter-of-fact about it, and others are frightened for themselves or their loved ones. But they almost all want to talk because few people want to listen. And I just stand there and mostly listen. Depending upon the situation, I might be there for just five minutes, or I may be there for an hour. And after they've talked and I've listened and maybe I've given some advice, I'll pray with everyone there. I may pray for healing, for wisdom for the doctors, or in some cases, I may pray for an easy passing into eternity. In situations where my experience has shown me that we simply can't predict what God will do, well, I'll help the family try to turn over the situation to God's wisdom. And I almost always pray for God to show God's presence. For that's the most important. And you can do the same. For my purpose in being there is not to be an emotional counselor. Although people do often feel better after my visit, they've told me so. My visit's not to provide medical advice although sometimes I can tell them in plain English what's happening when the doctors have them confused. No, my purpose is to be a pale reflection of the mighty presence of God that created the God that created the universe and every single body in that room. My purpose in being there is to show the people in that room that Jesus Christ bodily representative has walked in there, and Jesus' presence is with them. And you know, you can do that too. I'm not Jesus Christ. At my best, I'm a poor reflection of him in an old piece of dingy, rusty sheet metal. But by showing my presence, I bring attention to his presence, which they can often feel, even if they can barely see me or hear me, through blinded eyes and deafened ears. That my friends is one way that you can show agape love to one another through your presence. For while as a pastor, I can often get into hospital rooms late at night when other people are kept out. In most cases, you can visit people in the hospital and show Jesus' presence as well as I can. And you can visit many living rooms too. I can't tell you how many times I've vis- visited a long-term patient in the hospital weekly and then have a close fr- friend of the, or relative of the departed tell me at the funeral, uh, you know, Pastor, no one from the church ever visited or called on the departed. Now, that doesn't happen as often here as I've had it happen at other churches. For you see, people need to know that they're important to other people. And that's what your presence can bring them. And understanding that they are important, that someone sees them, that they are loved, that their presence is important to someone else. Now I realize you may not understand this, but when you miss church, your presence is mostly gone from here. It's not totally gone though. There is a lingering presence that remains here, even if you're not present in the flesh with us. For every one of you have had an influence on this place over the years, sometimes even if you've only attended a handful of times. And your presence continues to be felt for years after you leave. For example, Brooks Brooks still tells us stories of Helen Hedrick and how she influenced him even today. At Vault Chapel, you mentioned a woman named Ruby. She's still present, even though she's gone to be with Jesus. And I've got Gene Jones's hymnal that I use most Sundays. And several of you have told me of how their memories of Gene's presence still affects them. You may feel that you can leave for a week or two and nobody will miss you, but there are people who miss your presence very quickly. You know, Brenda Marks was very quiet in our church, but she is deeply missed, isn't she? The same applies to others. We need your presence. You might feel that no one will miss your presence, but you're wrong. For even if you don't speak with anyone, your presence brings comfort to others. For they know that you're here to answer questions they might ask. You're here to listen. You're able to pray for them. And there is something that just feels right when you're here and doesn't feel right when you're missing. Now, I know almost all of you well enough to know that some of you genuinely feel that no one would miss you if you weren't here. And a couple of you even feel others would like to see you missing every week. But that simply isn't true. This is a great misunderstanding we have in America for we believe deep down that we are important or not important by how much leadership we show or how much we speak or how much we contribute in money and service and how good we are. But that's a lie from the devil. For you see, most of the people in the church have the Holy Spirit within them. And the Holy Spirit as part of God, sees our inherent importance because we're created in the image of God. Fellow image bearers of the divine and every view of the divine, every angle of God, every portrait of God that we represent is of infinite value. And so every time that you're not present, other people miss you whether you're on vacation or overtired and in bed, whether you're sick or in the hospital or if you decide to go somewhere else just because, your presence is important. Other people really miss you and it's one way that each of us can show agape love for others. When you show up, people know you have a love for them. Most people in our world have very few friends especially close friends. 12% say they have no close friends in America. That's one in eight people. And loneliness is as harmful to the body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, according to a professor at Brigham Young University. Studies have also shown that people who regularly attend church have more friends and live longer than people who do not attend church. You may want to pass that, that word on to fr- some of your friends Who don't attend very often or never attend. Maybe you've had the phenomena though of being lonely in a crowd. That happens when there are people around but they don't see you. The world is very good at not seeing people. You have no presence to most people but it's different in the church. So how does this relate to loving people? Folks, one of the key reasons people come to church is because it's a place to make friends, close friends. When you walk into the door, it doesn't take many visits for people to begin to see your presence. Your presence may be quiet and humble. It may be loud and boisterous. It may be passionate about God or it may be studious and prayerful. But we all know when you're here or not. And there's a certain excitement that happens when more and more people show their presence. Sandra once led a church that began with eight people, but by the time she left a few years later, attendance was up to about 15 people. But you know, if everybody had shown up on the same day, there would have been almost 30 people there. The energy level of a church, when everyone shares their presence, is much stronger than when everyone is worshiping on Facebook or on the radio, apart, alone. I want you to imagine A single candle being lit. This is the Holy Spirit in a person. Now when two candles come together, like on the the screen, the flame is stronger and so is the Holy Spirit. Now imagine that five candles are brought together closely. Imagine ten candles all brought in together or even fifty brought closely together. Now we have a roaring fire. And it's the same with the spirit. And have you ever seen a child that's terribly upset, and then they hear their mother or father's voice outside? And as the door opens and mother or father walk in, the child markedly improves. They get better, don't they? They get comforted. That is what your presence means to other people. It's a level of comfort. That's what you can bring to others by simply being there. Your presence, you see, is more than you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit within you, triggering a response from others around you. And when we're together, the Spirit in each person reacts with the Spirit in each other person, and we have revival. That's how we love each other, how we love one another through our presence. Your mere presence helps other people. For Donna and Pauline and Jim are here, and all is right with the world. But your presence isn't important only in the church. For remember, just like a pastor, you can carry the Holy Spirit with you. You do carry the Holy Spirit with you. And that spirit can be sensed by almost every human. And so when you walk into a hospital room or a living room, When you sit down beside someone on a bench at the mall or when you speak to a waitress or a man at the checkout counter, the Spirit is reaching out to that person. If you listen to what the Spirit is saying, your own personal presence will transform and become the presence of the Holy Spirit of Christ, of God in that space. For you know the key to eternal life which is to follow Jesus Christ. You've heard years of sermons about Jesus. You know, that's 50 sermons a year if you're regular. And if you've been coming to church for a decade, that's 500 sermons. You know what Jesus asked of us. You know dozens of stories from Scripture and Christian living. And so if you'll let the Spirit speak through you in a gentle, reassuring way, you may find that the stranger standing in front of you or sitting beside you senses the presence of Christ within you and begins to react to that presence. Sandra sometimes jokes that she must have a sign on her forehead that says, tell me your life story. For she's been known to stop at a gas station or a restaurant. Before she leaves, the attendant or waiter will have told her where he's from, what happened in his first two marriages, where his sons and daughters live, and what's happening in their lives, and how he needs to get back into church. And it's all because she simply said hello in a way that said, I have time to listen to you. For you're another human being, an interesting child of God that I've never met before. And you know, you all can do the same. You see, the key is simply to see the other person as an important person instead of a service robot waiting to perform a service for you. For that was the way Jesus saw people. Every person was a person, not a human-shaped robot. Jesus did not ignore the person based upon his or her clothing, or occupation, or accent, or hair, or makeup style, or anything else. Jesus recognized each person as a person and saw them, each of as individuals. And so people who were lonely, people who had been ignored by most people and spat upon by other people, people who knew themselves to be sinners, condemned, unclean, They found themselves standing, amazed at the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. The key to loving one another with your presence is to recognize the presence of the others and to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit of Christ within ourselves. Jesus commanded us to love one another. And so when we stand in front of others, when we listen to their stories, When we show them that we've seen them as people, then we love them because we have solved several of their most basic needs. They have been seen as a person. They found a friend who will listen to them. And they have the reflection of the presence of Christ within us. And now we can begin slowly and carefully to introduce them to the real presence of Jesus the Nazarene. The columnist David French, he writes now for the New York Times, he recently wrote, I've never met a person who wants to lose friends, but I've met many, many people who suffer from loneliness and say they just lost touch. Life happened. He then quoted in his column C.S. Lewis, the great Oxford and Cambridge professor and defender of Christianity, who wrote, Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art like the universe itself, for God did not need to create. It has no survival value. Rather, it's one of those things that give value for survival. French went on, compared with the competing demands of family and work in any given moment, friendship can feel unnecessary, but as the years roll on and countless justifiable individual absences wear down our relationships, There'll come a time when we will feel their their loss. But it need not be that way, especially when our simplest and highest command is merely being there. So meet people. Be a presence in their lives. Listen to their stories carefully. And only then, after they have seen your presence as one of the few people in the entire world who actually treats them as a person with a presence of their own, Begin to tell them what Jesus has done for you. And you'll have gone a tremendous way toward making a new friend and loving one another simply because you were there and were a presence in the life of the other. You know, you can win a baseball game simply by being there. You don't have to hit the ball. You don't have to do anything. If the other team doesn't show up, they lose. You win. Be present in church and in the lives of others, so that you may love one another. Now, if you would, join me in this prayer. May those in our community who are tired and overwhelmed find you to be a close comfort. Show them that you are walking beside them, carrying them through today. Amen. God's presence, we know, is always with us. May each of you be a close comfort, walking beside others and carrying them through today. Jesus said, love one another. And he loved us so much that he sacrificed himself on the cross that we might live. Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded
0: sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, CedarGroveUnitedMethodist.org, and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you, and God bless you in your life.